am the rock out of podcasting, Charles McFall, and I'm here to give you some awesome, 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 awesome stuff today. Had a question from last week about uh, minimum wage and living wages and uh, going to go into that. But of course, this is live on Facebook this morning. So let me get everything set so I can get it done and taken care of as we're doing the show. As you pull this video up, go ahead and hit those like buttons, hit those share buttons, hit the everything everywhere buttons because, you know, it is a Dr. Seuss kind of morning. I am loving myself today. I hit that love button right there. So I would love for you to do that as well. This is some motivation. It is Kevin Smith storytelling with, you know, naughty bits, not safe for work stuff, not safe for work stuff here uh, sometimes. And Tony Robbins, you know what? Though Tony Robbins is not always safe for work either. He likes to use the F word sometimes too. So, but Tony Robbins, that straight shooting just get to the point, give you some information. And uh, Jim Swilly, truth-telling, that is how I describe this show. Oh, man, it's been it's been a great week. It's been a great week. Uh, Pokemon Go podcast is doing well. And the Pokemon Go game, yes, people still play that game. And, yes, I still host a show about that game, along with Brian Abbott and Joseph Hard. Uh, they announced that there is a big festival they're going to do all last minute. It's been an interesting uh, – it's been interesting, and I just say that. And the community is really stepping up and helping send me to go cover this festival, go experience it, because I don't just cover things, right? I'm not a newsman. I don't just go and report on the news. I go out and share experiences. That is what Rock Out of Podcasting is all about, is I share my stories, but only in the sense, in the sense of that we share stuff together. We all share an experience as human beings, and that is that is what I do best is I share those experiences. So I'm going to share some stories today on minimum wage, on making it through, on making it on your own. Uh, I'm trying to share this experience on my Facebook page right now. And that's that does make for an, a rocky start and a weird opening. But, you know, uh, that's how we do. So let me get an uh in there again and we'll be good. All right. Chat room is up. The everything is live. If you want to be live with me, uh, you know what? Just subscribe to the Rock God of Podcasting page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Rock God of Podcasting, because that's uh, that's about the only way to get it done. And because I don't have a schedule right now. You, I, last couple of weeks has been on Monday afternoon. Today is a Tuesday morning and just the way it worked out. So life flows and life goes. And that's what we do. Um my Sunday nights are still open. My Saturday nights are getting filled. And I do drink coffee or other beverages on this show, just so you know, as we go along. So talking about minimum wage versus living wage. Laura DePooter put in a question. Uh, she messaged the page. You can also message the page at facebook.com forward slash rock out of podcasting. And she asked, you know, if $15 is the entry level for minimum, you know, that'd be minimum wage, just entry level to the job. How does it affect everything else? And how does it, uh, how do we need to change things? And I want to start off saying we need to change the conversation a little bit because that is exactly where people start. Well, you know, the, the small business owners and capitalists, well, you know, we raise minimum wage to $15 an hour, everything goes up. And you're somewhat correct in that. When minimum wage rises, costs also rise. As a business owner myself, if I'm going to hire somebody, I have to pay them an X amount of money, right? I have to give them $15 an hour or $10 an hour and $8 an hour. 
you know, there's definitely ranges, right? And that right now, I think the range is it stays at seven to eight. Some states have raised it to different spots. Cost of living factors in, right? I am in Georgia. I can do business in Georgia. And Georgia minimum wage is like seven bucks an hour. But I also rent a house for the same thing I paid for the house that I had owned in the past, which is $850 a month. Right, for three bedrooms, two baths. Uh, and the house I'm renting has got a full basement with an extra bath. So it's three baths. It's got an extra bedroom downstairs. So that's technically four bedrooms, three baths, you know, 850 bucks. And there's people all over the U.S., maybe the world, going, holy crap, that's cheap. And it is because the same money, I'm sorry, not the same money. Yeah, the same money will get you a bedroom in Atlanta, downtown. It's all about location. Right, this kind of money won't touch crap in California. Eight hundred fifty dollars a month is like your your fuel bill for your car or something. You know, so it, it's it's an interesting conversation. But when I start talking about minimum wage versus living wage, I want to tell some stories about how I've made it through and where I've come from and how the math doesn't always add up. And hello, Terry Wolf. Thank you for joining in live. I do f- definitely look forward to seeing you in Chicago. I was just mentioning how the community is coming together and we share experiences and that's what's going to happen. And Chicago at PokeFest, Pokemon Go Fest live, whatever. The, is, I think it's officially called Pokemon Go Fest is what they're calling it. And uh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. And when I go out there, of course, I'm going to meet and hang out with as many people as I physically possibly can uh, from the show or from the you know, who listen to the podcast, who help support me get there and those kind of stuff. Uh, absolutely. We're, uh, we're going to hang out all day. And even Friday night, we're working on something. Uh, we being uh, NAR, myself and Bagel Noob, are trying to work something together for everybody to, to come together and hang out Friday night. Anyway, that, what I'm talking about here in Rock God is sharing experiences. And that's what we're looking at there. This I think more people are excited about this experience, and it will tie in the minimum wage and all that. I trust me. I, I tie everything together somehow. Sometimes it's a very strenuous string. You know, you see those those uh, uh, conspiracy theory walls where one string goes all the way across the wall to the other side. Sometimes it's that kind of, of tying together. <laughs> and, and sometimes it makes a lot more easy sense than that. So... Uh, but sharing experiences, that's what we've lost in this society. That is what we have lost because before, it, we, we kind of mock it a little bit, but before it was you grow up, males join the military, females, I'm, I'm thinking 50s, 40s, 50s, you know, whatever. I, I'm not really going to dive in before that, but I'm, I'm thinking about <laughs> the fallout era, right? The fallout shelters and the nuclear fears and whatnot. And you all, everybody, of course, registered. It was you joined the military, uh, you joined your know, public service. Sometimes, you know, when you're 18, you went to work. Not everybody joined the military, obviously, but back in the day, women didn't work much, and uh, you know they were very limited. So it was very much a societal standard of everybody kind of had the same experience. Women, I'm still going off like a Batman TV kind of thing, but typically. Women were going to be secretaries. They could work in the secretarial pool until they found a husband. And then basically when they got married, they quit working. That's unfortunately what the societal standards were. That's not what we're going to deal with today. Just painting a picture here. And then uh, the men, you go work in a place for 30 years, 20, 30, 40 years, depending on how early you started. You'd work your way up as high as you could go, and you'd, you'd get promoted. And, and years meant something. And the fact that you did something for 10 years, got you promoted. It didn't matter how good you were. It didn't matter if you deserved it earlier. It didn't matter if you were crap at it. 
Well, it, may, it might have mattered if you're crap at it, but you you did it, and everybody had that experience, right? You worked Monday through Friday, you nine to five, and then uh, at night you're at home with the family or whatever. And Saturdays, you know, you're cutting the grass, you're playing golf, you're hanging with the boys, whatever. Sunday was church, and Mondays rinse and repeat. Well, that's changed. That has changed so much. And that shared experience is gone. So now we have these debates. We have these arguments about about who's better and who, if we're really going to be honest with each other. We have these arguments about, ah, oh, minimum wage. Oh, the people are going on a strike. Yeah, they don't get enough to serve me my hamburger at McDonald's. You know, I'm sorry. You're gonna, the same person who's going to turn around and bitch about minimum wage people being on strike and, and – it almost goes hand in hand with people on benefits, right? Uh, they're on Medicare and Medicaid and welfare and food, blah, blah. And, you know, they go get a job. Well, maybe they did. And they went to McDonald's and they're making seven bucks an hour to serve you that hamburger and to take crap because nobody's nice anymore. That's overgeneralization. As, as on the camera, I made a weird wonky eye thought about that. <laughs> That's an overgeneralization. I can I can be an asshole. I can be mean. I can be rude, uh, for sure. Uh, but I do try to be nice. So I mean, there are p- definitely people who try to say please and thank you, who try to uh, give uh, people a better day. I gotta tell you, I went into a gas station. Uh, that's a chain. They have their own app or whatever. And I was just picking up uh, some free drinks because we have it's racetracks. We had the Soda Palooza cups. My daughter and I were getting free drinks, and I was hungry. So I had a coupon for a free hot dog or beef jerky or something and, you know it's getting some free food basically and the girl behind the counter instantly pulls out her phone and opens the app and oh wait i think i see what you're buying i think they had something on here uh oh it's two for five would you like to get another one I'm like well no thanks i have free coupons but she was trying it's like really thank you you know for helping out and then of course she told me yeah if you have the app you can get you know, all these coupons and stuff that was awesome there was man i think there was a taco bell i went to up in Atlanta, that was the same way. The girl was just very helpful, very uh, just great customer service. And that's really what it comes down to. But you kill customer service. You kill that heart of customer service with minimum wage. Because the line is, and we've probably all said it, at least we've heard it, if we've not said it, I don't get paid enough for this shit. And that's the truth. Now, we've lost sight of our humanity sometimes, I believe. No, you know what? I'm not going to say, I'm going to change that. We have lost sight of our humanity as a whole, as society, as a global society, as a local society. We have lost sight of that. When in politics, as Americans, our enemy is other Americans, that's a bad thing. And that's something I realized in our, our, what's changed drastically in our politics is we used to be good losers. Right, not sore losers. Nobody wants to be a sore loser. Nobody wants to play with a sore loser. Well, somehow that has changed over the decades to where an election happens. Right? It was it was back in the day when I was a kid. 
I remember the election when it happened, and my my family was always Republican all the way. I I'm more middle ground libertarian, if you will. I hate labels. I really do hate labels because there's pieces of everything I like and pieces of everything I hate, and that's why I stay out of politics because you do not represent me. And if you don't represent me, I'm not voting for you. And that's what politics should be, and that's something we've forgotten is, well, they represent your area, but they don't represent me. Nobody wants to do what I want to do. Nobody wants to listen to what I have to say, so I'm not playing your game. And what has happened back in the day is Republican versus Democrat, right? And they'd be this thing, oh, you know, they'd get louder, a little bit louder, a little bit louder, and I'd never heard any ugliness. There was always a respectful thing and if you start throwing mud as they say if you started getting disrespectful and and being ugly you would lose face you would lose respect of your own party and so the election would happen and there'd be cheers and there'd be jeers and there'd be tears <laughs> cheers cheers and tears uh but in the next couple of days it'd be okay that's our president no sore losers. We'll come back in four years. If it's the losing party, we'll come back in four years. We'll do what we can to change this. And while there's always been ne- ugly politics, there's always been things to fight against each other. I think as an American society, see, let the politicians be ugly. They don't get crap done. If we want something done, you got to do it yourself. That's the adage, right? That's the proverb. If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. If you want to change the world for the better, if you want to see it change, you have to change it. Politics is never going to do that. Getting somebody to do it for you is crap. It ain't never going to work. And so that's that's a big part of where we've lost our humanity is nowadays people are still trying to take the president down. I see people constantly calling him an idiot. I don't know the truth. I, I, I ignore most of it because there's so much paint on either side of it that we've lost that part of our humanity where we can respect another human being actively trying to lose it apparently and that plays into this conversation about minimum wage versus a living wage and that plays into the conversation about shared experiences because if you don't remember if you forget you're a human being if you forget the person next to you is human being then it becomes way easier to trash and that's that's been the hiding place of the internet that's been the hiding place of social media is that it's so easy to be faceless Yourself, it's so easy to be faceless on the other side as well. So it's easy to say ugly, horrible things that if you saw a human react to what you said, it might stop you from saying it. I have a friend of mine that he thought he was in a quoted finger safe group. And I'd asked him a bunch of times to stop using certain jokes. And it's a business group. It's not necessarily just a bunch of friends hanging out. But it, it is a, a mixed group of people who don't all know each other to the deepest degree, right? We all know each other to a certain level, deeper than just in passing, right? We all work together, we're all friends, we're all friendly, we've talked to each other, we've heard each other's voices, it's all podcasting related. And he made a joke that I finally had to be a boss and jump on him about, and he said, oh, I thought this was a safe space. I'm like, dude, there's no such thing as a safe space when you say that, when you say the stuff you're saying. You're better than this. You're better than what you're saying. Well, you know I don't mean it, but you said it. And yes, I know you don't believe the power behind the words of what you said. I know you're quoting fingers making a joke. 
But that's the problem. Words do mean things. And if you don't mean it, why do you say it? I had to learn that lesson myself the hard way. I had a show called Bear Crawling Nation. And Steve Cox was my co-host at the time. And for whatever reason, all I did was bust his balls. All I did. I mean, I'd make fat jokes. And I'm overweight. And I'd make fat jokes uh, about him. Uh, I would I would poke at him. And this person came in, Angie, uh, who you see here in the chat room sometimes, Angie, rock girl. She came in new to the show. And there was a little bit of a history there between Steve and I about busting balls and, and having fun. And there there is a time and place for... All kind of humor. And the, 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 to wrap up that little story is know your audience. And that's kind of what I'm talking about here is in your head, you have inside jokes, right? In your head. Well, they know I don't mean anything by it. And Angie asked me straight up. She goes, well, I'm new to the show. I don't know you don't mean anything by it. All I hear is you being mean to Steve. And I started to argue back and I stopped and went, wait a minute. This is an opportunity to learn. My audience, and that's something you, that maybe as an everyday thing you you might not understand, but as a, a creator, as an entertainer, there's a rule of ones. And it's 1% is what it is. For every 100 people that maybe listen to your show, partake in your craft, take your entertainment, one will maybe say something to you, positive or negative, but more than likely positive. Because Actually, more than likely negative, because the positive people just go along going, man, this is awesome. And we forget to do positive reinforcement. I'm guilty of that as well. But the negative people like to shout and have their voice heard. But I think a lot of times they just like to walk away as well. And you never know what you did to offend somebody or or how to get a different perspective on the world. So I remembered that. I'd learned that. I'd been studying that a long time at that point, that principle of one. So when she wrote in, I took the opportunity to go, wow, okay, she's being blatantly honest. She's new to the show. Which most new people don't write in, especially if they don't like what you're doing. And she asked me why I'm being mean to him, and I explained it, and she came back to me and fed back some more, saying, but this is all I see. And I, it took a while, but I had to work on it because we do get into mindsets, and what's done to us, we pass on. And what we carry as our damage, we pass on. And that, God, man, all this really has to be understood before we really can even get into the discussion of minimum wage versus living wage, because... You have to change that conversation. You have to change that understanding. You have to change yourself. If you don't change yourself, you can never change the conversation. Because it's always going to be, well, I say this, and then they say this, and then I say this. And so you get nowhere. There's no communication there. And I found recently, I've discovered, and I can look back over my life and see how that's been a running thing, but communication is my niche. I've never wanted to do motivational speaking as a motivational speaker. As somebody who goes out, uh, Tony Robbins, to me, being the exception, because uh, I could be wrong, but my experience with Tony Robbins, uh, watching him on Netflix and, and hearing different things, he doesn't have a system. He's not selling. If you just do this, you'll fix yourself or you'll get rich or you'll get fill in the blank. Tony Robbins takes people where they are and cuts to the core and seems to have the ability to really kind of see, with not, not specifically like psychically, <laughs> but see to the core of who they are and, and kind of pick out what's going on. Whereas a, a professional entertainer psychic, somebody who does it for entertainment value, would use that to say, oh, you know, I see uh, your daddy left you. Oh, my God, how do you know that? 
because there's ways for people to pick up on clues and to see damage. And once you've done it enough, you really can say, okay, I don't really know what your issue is, but it seems like you have a daddy issue or a mama issue or a, a whatever, fill in the blank. I've been able to do it for to a, a certain extent for all my life. I usually used it for evil. <laughs> I, I even used this phrase the other day. It's like, no, I'm really good at breaking people open like a shotgun. I mean, you will be left empty and spent when I get done with you if, if you cross my line. And I'm very good with my words that way. And I, I just I, I just have this ability to needle in. And I've been trying to use that for the good, you know, to, to reach into the positive of people. Um and I always refer. I love. I love the line in the rundown with the rock. Uh, I hate guns. I hate guns. Well, at the end, uh, he gets it, and he he, you know, uh, Laura puts here in the chat room. Look back to guns versus knives and swords. If you can kill at a distance without seeing the face, it's less personal and easier to do. The, and this is true. Uh, and his whole thing was, I hate guns. And and when he picks up a gun towards the end, he's like really good with it. Well, it's because maybe, you know, we there was no character development beyond that about why he hated guns or whatever. But it can be easy. You can get into situations where it's easy to do the negative of what you do. And I strive to stay away from that. I strive to go towards positive situations and surround myself with positive people. And people that can hear what I have to say when I say, you know, you really are good at what you do and let me let me help. Let me pour some of my energy into you because that's what you need right now. Because that's what I need sometimes. So, getting back to our humanity. If we don't change ourselves, if we don't change the conversation, all we ever do is fight. And communication is the harder way to do That's what I was saying with Tony Robbins and all that. See, I do wiggle through, but I get back to where I was going to tie my strings together. But I always thought motivational speaking was a dirty job because everybody has this niche, how to be a million-dollar speaker. And, yes, that's Steve Seabold because I, my, somebody bought me his book. And some of his principles are good. Some of his, his principles are, are, you know, brain candy and good ways to live. I, I have never had a desire ever, ever, ever to build a system. Ever. And I think it's horrible because the system, a system takes away your humanity as well. A system is plug and play. And that's what minimum wage is. Minimum wage is a system. Our pol- political situation in America is a system. It's plug and play. One size fits all, which is never, ever, ever true. Ever. Because honestly, Laura, I met her a couple weeks ago in person. I've, I've, we've chatted back and forth on Facebook. She's followed my exploits or whatever. My wife, same way. They're both little people. They're smaller. My wife is five foot two. I think uh, Laura, I probably put in the same range, five foot two. So my shirt, which is three to four X, depending on where your bikes are, everybody makes shirts differently. And I'm I'm six foot seven, and I'm as much torso as I am leg. So I need longer shirts and I need bigger shirts because I'm a bigger guy, five foot five. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, Laura. So the thing is, you you. You have to, you, once I can't fit on, my shirt is going to just encompass my wife or Laura. My shirt will bury my kids because they're little. One size never fits all. And that is something we've lost in our society is we've put too many systems in place. Now, systems can be good if you can deviate. 
there was a minimum wage. The reason minimum wage was put in place, this is a generic definition. The reason minimum wage was put in place was because people were dishonest, right? Well, you know, I'm not going to give you $1 an hour. When, I don't know what the original minimum wage was, but I'm just going to say a dollar. I'm not going to give you $1 an hour when I can get this other person who will undercut you for 50 cents an hour because that's your smart money. No, that's horrible humanity is what it is. Now, I'm not, I have no time because I believe it's a different rabbit hole. I believe it's a different conversation. But when you talk about manufacturing in other countries to save money and, and sweatshops and this and that and the other, well, a lot of that's changed since the 80s and 90s, right, of how that's done. I remember Kathy Lee Gifford when it was Regis Philbin and Kathy Lee on whatever that show was. I forget. Regis and Kathy Lee live. I don't remember what the hell it's called. Uh, greed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, those kind of things. And I remember she had some kind of shoe line or something come out. And controversy exploded. This is pre-internet. So for something to explode, it was huge. Every news station picked it up. Every newspaper picked it up. And the controversy was that she basically was using a sweatshop of kids. And I mean, not her directly, right? She has people. She has managers. She has, uh, uh, I'm assuming, because the way she comes off on TV, She's not a smart businesswoman. Not the way she portrays herself on all the TV that I've ever seen her on. She's an entertaining person who likes to come off a little ditzy and is not somebody that I instantly go, you know your business. So when, when she has a line of clothes or shoes or whatever it was come out, I imagine she has business people handling that. They just went for the lowest cost possible. Turns out she had kids putting her shoes together. At least that was the word then. Now, Snopes could have researched it and changed the, you know, brought out the facts, not changed the facts, but brought out the truth. Since then, this is just a generic example of how things are perceived. So things have changed now, right? It's exploded. You'll be, you'll be brought out. Now, does it, does it always mean things be made, are made right no absolutely not you know standing rock happened and the best they got was i believe the c- most current situation with standing rock is that they have a reprieve to reevaluate some things that doesn't mean that the pipeline is going to get stopped it doesn't mean the pipeline is going to get pulled off their land it doesn't mean anything good necessarily is going to happen It's humanity, man. It's, it's we're losing our heart. We have to communicate more. And that is my niche. That is my heart is communication. If, if we shut up and listen, truly listen, if we would pay attention to that we're not getting the results we want when we speak, when our actions. Oh, no, I, I meant this. Because there, there was a time in my life and this is, it is true, it is rude as shit, but it is true, but it also gets me nowhere, where I went through life saying, love me or hate me, it's your problem, not mine. And that's true. I have no influence, I have no control over whether you love me or hate me, whether you agree with what I say or not, whether you see the world the way I see it or not. But it was really done in a defensive method, method, yeah. I don't know why that feels like I'm saying it wrong. And I see some stuff in the chat I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read here in a second. But as love me or hate me, you know, fuck it. It's your problem. 
But in reality, if I'm trying to get something done, if I'm trying to communicate, if I'm trying to change the conversation, and what I'm saying or doing or acting the way I'm doing it, if it's having an opposite effect, that's communication. That's where I need to use my eyes and see the body language. That's where I need to use my ears and hear. Okay, what are you saying? How can I bring you around? And sales tactics do work in real life in a good way if used properly. Because I've been in fights with my wife. Those That's the, the hardest communication I ever have is, is when my wife and I are not on the same page. And the sales tactic of get them to say everything applies in a, in a, a fight where there she didn't understand something. There was a lot of stuff piling up on her side. Most of the time it's me. But I can't remember those times like, you know, I've come around and I know I can, I can look back on the effects. I know I've come around and I've apologized. Or I've learned something, whatever. But when I'm wrong, I tend to blank those things out. Right. And forget the details so I can remember the fight. The one <laughs> the one fight where I was right, my wife was wrong. And it happened to happen last year. It, 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 so it's fairly recent. But I remember that conversation where she's like, and it was just devolving to just this rant and it's like oh so you mean what you want me to do is a situation like this and i would spell out a situation from her past that didn't work and it she would just be like yeah yeah and because she would remember it didn't work and she remember why it didn't work and she's still kind of oh you mean like the, or, oh you mean like this when this happened uh well, and it would just take some steam out without me kind of, I, I never had to say because she was wrong, but if I say, no, you're wrong because this, this, and this, bam, that's a punch to the face, right? It's a fight. But if I go, oh, you mean like in this situation, you know what? I will tell you the situation because it plays in the living wage versus minimum wage. And I will read these comments real quick before I do that. Terry Wolf, and again, this is on Facebook.com forward slash Rock on Podcasting. Just subscribe or follow the page. You'll know when I'm live. Subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. It's easy to share. It's audio format. So put it out there for people to listen to, share it. It is somewhat not safe for work. Obviously, you have to be able to listen to the words I have to say, and you have to be able to get past sometimes if if it's a hang-up for you that I swear, because I swear. I swear by the moon and the stars. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> the not safe for work label, is not always about the four-letter words that I use. Sometimes it's about the concepts, and sometimes it's about my bluntness. And I, no, it was intentionally bad. You're right. Uh, but Terry Wolf says, uh, back in the day, there was more careers. Now you have a job that doesn't have the benefits that set you up for retirement. And Laura DePooter says, if you go far enough back, you were really working for a living wage. Uh, either your farm produced enough to live or it didn't. Exactly, exactly. And Terry asks, is that coffee in that cup? And I'm not answering that. <laughs> so, uh, actually, it is today. But, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait till you actually see me on alcohol. Then it's, yeah, you'll know the difference. It's not a ton of difference. It's just a little bit. Um, you're right. Both of you are right. Ba see, I love that idea of living wage. You would go and you'd make enough to feed your family. And you would you, maybe feed your neighbors. You know, maybe help out. Maybe you'd have enough to help trade to somebody else so you're a, a food farm or vegetable you know, produce those kind of things right you're growing food but maybe you could use a cow for some milk because you don't have that so you trade the food that you have left over to your neighbor who has a cow 
either for the cow itself or for for milk. You know, you you help each other out. It's a win win scenario. And when we started working for money, there was still a win win scenario. Whereas you got paid a fair wage, right? This is what the job does, not a minimum, right? Never a minimum. And again, there was greed and dishonesty, and that's why minimums were put in place because it's not right. It's not right. If I'm starving and desperate, and desperate is the key word, if I'm starving and desperate, I will undercut you just to try to get something put on the table for my family, right? That was a situation... We ran into, in 2013, we being me and a bunch of people in my office, I had gotten an I, uh, A-plus certification, that's IT, basically it's help desk, uh, certain levels of help desk. Now, my personal skills, as you can see, I, I'm great at customer service, I'm great at communicating. I can, for a certain length of time, I can put up with your crap as a customer service person. So I, I was, and I know computers inside and out, and I know how to talk people through common sense ways of doing it and never talk down to them never look at them or you're on the phone mentally look at them and go oh did you turn it on back off again it's like okay you know here's what we're going to try to do sometimes things get hung up let's try to turn it off for a second we'll let it come back on you know i'll say it in ways that make you feel empowered that educate you so i had all that going for me right i had the certification i had years of doing stuff I had recommendations, but in 2013, a lot of offices were closing. A lot of things were downsizing. A lot of play, people were being laid off. So I'd go to apply for a, I was making $21 an hour when my office closed, which was decent. It was good money. And then I was making overtime. It was, it, I was earning finally what I felt like I deserved. So I worked hard. And I did well, and I did more than just what was required of me. And that, that's that been a problem with minimum wage and jobs is, is both sides have crunched in, right? I don't get paid enough for the shit is minimum wage. And, well, you know, I have certain requirements that you need to meet to keep your job. And so those two things have meshed, and you get what you put into it. You get, I'm paying you minimum, you're going to do the minimums. I've never been a minimum kind of guy. I've always been, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you more what I perceive as more value for your money so that you know I'm valuable. And I did learn in my last job, the one that laid me off, that there's a certain, there's a cap to value as well as I could go this much, you know, here's the, the, what they expected. I can go this much more past. If you, if you're on podcast, you can see what I'm doing on the video and it is still on Facebook and it's still on youtube.com. I believe it's forward slash bear crawling. Just look up Charles McFall on YouTube. Or go to rockgodpodcasting.com and click the YouTube button. It'll take you there. Anyway, so I can go that much past. And, oh, my God, you're amazing. And you're, 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 you do so much, and we appreciate you. Pats on the back, thank yous. Hey, you know, we got overtime available this weekend. You're the first person we're going to offer it to. You know, there's a, a, a good give and take of benefit, added benefit. Right. But then there I learned there's that space beyond where I can do more and I can be more and it doesn't matter. They're saturated. That's what I'm trying to get to. They're saturated. And so no matter how much more benefit I give, it no longer matters because that sponge is full. It cannot absorb anymore. 
So there is no more. Well, we're going to promote you. Here, here's a raise. Uh, here's reckon more. You know, uh, more recognition. Here's a gift card. There, there's that. There's a beyond part that the only entrepreneurs can get. Right. That's why I knew I was cut out to work for myself because I knew I had so much more to give. I knew that I had so much more to do. I can, I can get you where you want to be. And nobody can ever see that. So when the world can't see what you can do, then you just do it for yourself. Uh, Laura DePooter said this from a child who once told her parents that, no, this wasn't my best work, but no one but, no one but you can call me on that. <laughs> she says, I do feel more and more people are using the minimum to get by rather than actually putting forth their effort. And that, that's, that's, to me, the problem with minimum wage is you get fights. You get people who focus on the money because, no, I don't care where you are in the united states i'm in one of the cheapest states to live in maybe not the cheapest but one of the cheapest states to live in and georgia uh ginger th- you're making my point so i'm gonna read this out from ginger mcintosh you know what i'm gonna put it for youtube i'm gonna pull up the the chat here so you can see it on youtube uh when we put it up there ginger says here on the top part i just got a two percent raise i asked about a cost of living raise they said that was it I explained that I was sure my living cost was more than that. And that's, man, that is, you're, you're right. That is the key there. That's the issue at hand is when I got laid off, my wife had the standard American mentality. Get a job. Do what you can. Take any job that comes around because part of it is forward motion, right? You can get stuck in a, a small, lowercase d depression. You can get stuck in a rut. You can get laid off and you feel bad about what yourself and you, you, you all these negative emotions playing, right? So it's harder the more you get turned out to keep going out and get a job, try to get a job. So sometimes, yes, mentally, emotionally, it can kickstart you just taking any job. Get you back out there. You feel better. You're earning. You're doing. You're not on the couch. I know. I started a podcast actually that was very successful and made me some decent money, and really kicked off Giant Size Team Up Network and what I do now, and has built the future for me. But didn't know that at the time. But it's about a video game. It's called From the Hello Carrier. It's about a game called Marvel Avengers Alliance. That was a Facebook video game, and at the time, Facebook was just frowned upon. Right? Oh, Facebook games are not real games. Yeah. By the gaming community and everything else. Well, myself and another really strong podcaster named Brian Ibbett loved that game. But what I did was I found myself, as I'm filling out my unemployment records on the computer, right, to get unemployment benefits, as I'm filling out applications, sending in resumes, going to Craigslist, which I feel like, and this is a feeling, not a thought, it's a feeling. I feel like Craigslist is one of the shadiest, dirtiest places to go look for jobs. It's like I'm scraping the bottom barrel. But I did it. You know, I'm hitting monster.com and AJC.com and everywhere, indeed, and everywhere there's jobs. And I have my resumes out everywhere and nothing's coming back. And as I'm doing all this on my other screen or the computer, forget exactly how it's set up, I'm playing this game and I find myself turning to play the game a whole lot more than to be focusing on making money for my family. And I went, to justify it, right? I went, oh, I need to start a show about this so maybe I can get money. Now, the stupidest thing about that statement was I'd never gotten paid for podcasting before. Not really. I'd had, there was no way to get support from your fans other than a, a Skype, uh, I don't know why I said Skype, a PayPal donation. 
there was there was minimal advertising available. But my, I declared I need to start a show about this game so I can justify playing it all the time and get paid. And it happened because I did play it all the time. I mean, my wife, had, I had to tune it back a little bit. But I started a podcast. It quickly became successful. Patreon came along and allowed people to support what you do, the, the stuff you create. And so I made money in it. But that was not enough money, right? Not enough money. And my wife was like, just take any job. Just you get you gotta, you gotta get a job, man. You gotta get out there. And I'm like, baby, you, yeah, I, it's not right for me. I can tell you to the core of who I am, I am meant to work for myself. I don't know why or what's gonna happen, but nothing is coming back job wise. But I tell you, if I get a job offer, I'll take it. Just to show you that is just take it. Because I kept trying to argue with her. Seven dollars an hour is not gonna feed my family. $10 an hour is not going to feed my family. 12 is stretching it. And when I got laid off, this is what I was talking about, having the IT thing and being able to do all the IT stuff. What I faced was saturation, market saturation, was I got laid off and I'm going for a tier one or tier two help desk. Low level, the stuff that honestly, most companies farm out to India. When you get that, hello, I am Sam. No, I know you're not, and it's okay. You're doing a job. You're trying to earn for your family. I'm not going to hate on you. And that's something you please listen to me right now when you get that. I know it's frustrating as an English speaker to get somebody who's non-English speaking to help you. But stop taking it out on them. They're trying to earn for their family as well. It wasn't their decision to farm high-end American responses to a country that doesn't understand the concept of some of the American ways we do things i'm not they obviously understand the tech i'm not saying that they understand computers they understand how to read but they're in a whole different culture and english is their second language <laughs> laura says oh if you didn't have a billion kids and by the way i'm glad that you guys are putting the stuff in the chat i know i don't read everything it's coming in good you're putting in great points and that's that's to get the full experience of Rock Out of Podcasting is to catch it on Facebook. It's still on replay on Facebook. You can go to the video section. It's saved there. And you can watch the comments as they come in. And it gives you an extra part of what's going on. Everybody getting to put their, their stuff in. Uh, and, and, yes, worst thing is, and Ginger says, worst thing is trying to get a job if you're older. I heard so many times that I was overqualified. I explained that I would take anything. Exactly. And that's what I'm talking about here. So, I'm trying to apply for these jobs that are beneath me, to be honest. I'm way better. I mean, within months, I could be the supervisor, or at least you know, move way up the chain very quickly because I'm that damn good. I know what I'm doing. But I'm going to start at the bottom because I am, at that point, when it comes to my family taking care of itself, I have no pride. I have an ego. I'm worth money. But I will say, no, I'll actually take stuff down below me to get up, to prove myself. And I'm competing against people with master degrees. I shit you not. Bottom line jobs at the time because the market was so oversaturated with people who are overskilled that every company, every company, including our library, our local library, to be able to check out books, to sit at a desk and just go, beep, okay, you, they'll be due back in two weeks. You had to have a master's, a four-year degree, rather. You had to have a four-year degree. To do that. Why? Because the market was saturated. 
And they wanted their they wanted the biggest bang for the littlest buck. Everybody did. So now I'm competing with people who were IT directors for large companies. I'm competing with people who have 20 years of experience and had been IT directors in multiple places trying for that low-level job because they're trying to take anything. They're trying to get their foot in the door. And so I took a job with Publix. And I'm not going to go on my rant about Publix because they lie. They do. Their HR, their, their whole heart of what their business is supposed to be somehow never makes it into the store. It doesn't. You go through, you go through your HR training there, your onboarding uh, with that company, and it's, it's oh, man, it, it just it fits right in with everything I want to do in life and everything I help. And then you get in there, and it's, it's opposite. But I took a job in the deli at Publix. And I asked for 10. They said, yeah, we could probably do that. And then the, the manager manager who hired me said, nope, it's $8 an hour. Went, but I talked to somebody over here who said they would do 10. Well, they're not me, and I say what you get. All I'm going to give you is 8. And I, this is, I mean, physically probably too, I don't remember, but this is what I did on the inside. Just went, just defeated. Just the carpet ripped out from under me, and I'm, I, I just want my wife to be happy. I want to show her. I want to prove myself wrong, to be honest. I want to say, oh, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'll get enough hours and I'll pay some money. I mean, I'll pay some bills and those kind of things. But they wanted to hire me $8 an hour part-time. Except, and this is the problem with, this is the problem with minimum wage. And this is the problem with humanity. With us not willing to communicate and listen and, and better our fellow man. Better our fellow humans. Not to be sexist. Because I'm out to, to help everybody get value for value. Give to get. But instead, we, we look at the bottom line. So they wanted me to be part-time, which by their definition was 20 hours or less. Now, legally, I think it's less than 34 hours. So it still fell in the legal ranges. But uh, for them specifically, it's like 20 hours, like $8 an hour. Well, I still have to hustle. I still have to work this other job. On the side, that's very irregular, but pays me very well. It was live events. It was the audio, video stuff where I'd go and set up a concert in the rain and, you know, uh, sit up in the super heat and sit outside for these festivals and run the sound and run the video and all that jazz. It's a lot of hard work, but it paid really well. On the surface, it only paid $15 an hour, but it, I mean, those hours added up very quickly. But this part-time job at Publix, they wanted me to dedicate myself full-time to it because, you know, you can, you can rise up in the ranks and, and, you know, you can work and you'll get vested in the company. And you, All right, earmuffs, everybody, because I'm going to say it. Fuck you. Fuck you for lying about a future that is never going to happen because I can tell you statistically, making up the statistics, but this is the feeling I get, nine out of ten people who go to Publix ain't never going to make a career of it. Never going to make a career of it because it's a bottom-end job not picking on public specifically kroger's that way any grocery stores that way fast food's that way retail is that way because why because they can get anybody a second you quit somebody else is there to take that position but what they're missing is investing in human beings to make things better they say they are the company's like because 
technically on paper, you have so many different ways to rise up in the company and so many different ways to get more money and to get better positions. And, and on paper, it's nirvana. But in reality, it's shit. Because they're making it, it gives them an excuse to pay you nothing. So when I said they wanted me to dedicate myself full time, is they dictated my schedule. And there was a certain day of the week that I was doing a podcast that was paying me. I'd gotten a client that I could record and produce their podcast, and it was paying me well. And this part-time schedule at Publix was interfering with that in a major way. And I'd have to go every, because the computer generated. They don't have, they have, they, oh God, let me slow down. I'm getting so frustrated. I'm talking too fast. Publix doesn't even have a human being making your schedule. It's a computer that analyzes the busiest times from the sales records and, you know, from the previous week, how busy it was. And so they schedule people. And on paper, again, this is great, right? We're going to schedule people when we need them the most. And we're going to save. We're not going to overspend. See, they say not. They say not in their heads. We're not going to overspend. But what they really should be saying is, we're going to screw our people because we're going to make sure they don't get their money right. Because somebody will be scheduled for three hours and this little busy time and then be off and then maybe three hours later on in the evening. What the kind of hell shit is that? Who can work with that? Right? Not even a solid six-hour shift breaking it up through the day. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then I asked my manager, just give me one day locked out, Wednesdays. Just give me Wednesdays locked out where I cannot work there. And that way I'll give my client that day. And it's smooth sailing because you need real people need to plan. And Publix, and, I, and again, this is just personal experience, not picking on Publix because everybody does something like this. Is that week to week there's a new schedule. Not a two-week schedule. Not a month-long schedule. Week to week is a new schedule. So how do I plan my next week? I can't until the new schedule comes out. And every week I had to fight it. Every week I had to talk to my manager to go in and say, I'm not, I'm not coming in Wednesday morning opening. I told you when I started, I don't do openings. I close. I'll stay late. I'll clean those dishes. I close. Because, goddamn, I'm not driving 45 minutes to open at 7 o'clock in the morning or 6.45, whenever you had to be there before the store opened to prep everything for $8 an hour because you're barely covering my gas to get here for the first hour, that two hours that I work. And that's the problem is that we, again, coming back to we lose our humanity is, is they said, okay, fine, whatever. I ended up quitting. They never fired me. I ended up leaving. But I was miserable because my checks were $150 a week. 100 or maybe that's two weeks i can't honestly i don't remember the period but i remember getting checks for 100 bucks going what i can barely pay two bills on this if they're little i sure as hell can't pay my rent with this kind of check and i'm also i have i i never say no to a job i'm never too good for a job even if you're <sighs> even if you're using a screwdriver to hammer in nails which is exactly what they did with me I, I will do it because I'm like, okay, I, I try to explain what better I can do. I'm a tall guy. I can reach up high. Let me clean the high stuff that no one else can reach. I can lift heavy things. Let me move the heavy stuff for you to clean behind it. No, you put me at a sink that's at my waist level 
The top of it's at my waist level, so it means it goes down to my knees. So I'm hunched over for hours washing dishes. And so every time I leave, I have back pain. I am miserable. I do hate washing dishes. That's a whole different story. But I'm miserable. And then I get home and realize I made 40 bucks for that day. And then I'm not going to pay my bills this month. That's the problem with minimum wage. Living wage is something, a term that people are using more and more nowadays with uh, afford, being able to afford to live, right? And, and Ginger, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this one up again. This one's worth showing on the, on the YouTube video because I'm going to bounce off of this. Ginger says, I was out of work for six months, finally found a job. Was so happy but only paid 14 an hour. I have 20 years' experience as a paramedic. After four years of complaints, HR reviewed my pay. They had to pay me back pay for three years. That's, that's interesting that that even happened that way. Because most people, if they say, okay, fine, you're right, they'll, they'll bump you forward. And Laura Pooter says, I have a four-year degree. You can see it on the screen there. I have a four-year degree. I'm okay where I am because of flexibility, independence, and the ability to work on my therapy barn. But I can't say I would stay if the flexibility wasn't there. And that's the thing. Give and take. Okay, I truly can't afford to pay you X amount of money. What can I do to make it better? I'm a mom with small kids in school, and they get out of school at noon. Let me work from 7 to noon every day. Done. Done. Drop your kids off at school. Come in. You help me get whatever I need you to get done done. I pay you what I can pay you. And then you're, you can go get your kids and still have your family life. Done. I don't believe there's any such thing as a living wage because other problems will arise. The heart of Laura's question was, if $15 an hour is the starting point, the minimum wage, right, it's the entry point, how does it affect everything else? And I said earlier, because the easy answer is everything goes up. Costs go up, right? Right now, I pay Mike a certain amount of money. That's, it's a thank you. It's all it is. I told him, I said, this is not pay. Because nobody should work for as little as this amounts to per hour pay. This is a thank you gift. Because I can't afford to pay you what you're worth. And I refuse. But I also try to give other benefits to the people who work with me. Chris Wisdom doesn't get paid at all for Giant Size Team Up Network. And he does a lot with the network. He's investing in his future. And see, that's the difference. If I truly, and he's a partner. He's a junior partner in the company. Which means as we actually get successful, the partners are on top, there's the junior partners, and there's associates. It is structured like a law firm, even though it has nothing to do with law firms. I just watch a whole lot of suits and love that show. So that's how I did it. But everybody rises, right? That's the idea. And I have made sure that they get benefits before I do. You know, we had not, we didn't have the back pay that Ginger got, <laughs> but at one point we had some Patreon stuff come through and it, it, it kind of got back paid because. I didn't realize I hadn't set up the direct deposits yet. So when it got back paid, I gave it to him and Paul Klotz, who also doesn't get paid for the network. Paul Klotz is a full partner and works hard with me. And I made sure they got it. And I, what, really? No, because I want you to understand. I want you to have that feeling of this is worth something. It wasn't a lot of pay, but it was everything we had at the time. And I said, here's my point to you. Take this and, and understand that every time we move forward, you're going to get taken care of. 
and I'm going to make sure you're taken care of before I'm taken care of. And businesses have lost that. When we see a CEO making millions of dollars and the bottom rung making minimum wage, there's a problem there. You can get an argument worth it. If you're worth it, you'd be Lee Iacocca. Now, everybody loves to quote Lee Iacocca. One dollar. He took on Chrysler. He took over Chrysler. He said, I'll turn you around. My salary will be one dollar a year. What, what a lot of people maybe fail to realize or tend to forget is he structured a deal to make a lot of money in the back end. But the deal was on the fact that I will turn this company around and make it profitable again. I will bring you back into your highlight. And if he can't do that, he doesn't get the big pay at the end. So guess what? He did it. And he got huge pay at the end. And got world famous and all this other stuff. I remember when I started with National EMS back in the 90s. I had no experience as an EMT. I had no, uh, uh, I was young. I think I was 20, 21 when I first started with them. I, I honestly don't quite remember. And I, I made minimum wage. I went from, well, the, a job that let me go, and then I went to Taco Bell for a while. Still wanting to be a professional, right, being EMT. And I, I went to Taco Bell, and I was making 8 $9 an hour. I was doing okay. And, again, they, 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 that was a great experience for me because I sat down with the owner of that franchise. And, like I said, I was 20, 21. I was a, 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 degree, a, a certified EMT. Um, obviously, I have skills to get paid better. Uh, I'd come from a background of being managers at places at a young age, all this stuff. And I was older, again, at 2021, I'm still older than most of the people applying to work in fast food, even then. And the manager's like, you're overqualified. I really, I can't afford you, and I, I, I know you're going to leave me. I said, here's a deal I'll make with you. I really need to pay some bills. If you'll pay me, I think we negotiated, it wasn't minimum wage. It was like eight bucks an hour. It's a few dollars over minimum wage. Not what I needed, but better. I will guarantee you. That yes, even though I'm finding another job, I will give you two weeks notice. Period. And as I'm when I'm here, I will I will even act as a manager. I will do everything I can to educate people, to teach people, to do whatever you need me to do for that money. And that will be our, our value for value. And they went, That sounds great, thank you. And I worked there for two or three months. And sure enough, when I got my job with National EMS, I gave them my full two weeks notice to leave and while i was there i made sure to run the stores if it were my own i was never a manager i was never even an assistant manager but i always take things on as if they're my own so i was one of the best employees they had because i treated it as if it was my store and when i went to national i made 555 an hour which was the minimum wage then but they made it clear they were going to look after me. They were going to train me. They were offering opportunities to go to school to get better at what I did. They were taking care of all my certifications. It, there was not just paper benefits. There were huge benefits there. And that's why I went. That's why I went there. Well, I went there because I also wanted a job. I wanted to work as an EMT. And I'd spent many, many years there. And I felt like I was taken care of. And, yeah, there was times when being taken care of 
doesn't put food on the table, and that got stressful and that got ugly. And there's there's other stories there. One last story before I go. We have to change this conversation about minimum wage versus living wage. We we have to change it to value for value. And politicians are never going to do that. Never, ever, ever, ever. Human nature says take care of yourself. Fight or flight, right? Survive. Do what you have to to survive. And that just comes out in so many ways. So many ways. Politicians will never, ever get it. Because they have to protect their jobs, right? The idea is to get elected. Get in. Get the influence and the power, whatever. Make the money. I... I have a very difficult time even remembering a point in life where the House or the Senate or any politician or political group voted themselves a decrease in pay or voted even to stay where they were. They've almost always voted themselves a raise while fucking over everybody else. I've seen that happen in companies too. Not just politicians. CEOs, a lot of times they don't get it. Walmart. I worked for Walmart when Sam Walton was alive and had his hands in it. It was a whole different ball game then. Whole different ball game then. There were values. The customer was respected. Now I hate Walmart with passion. Now they're just a global entity that who cares? That's their that's their opinion. They pay minimum wage, treat their people and I'm talking from personal experience from not only going into multiple stores and seeing how the employees are and how they're treated. Because I can tell you this. I can be, let me be very, very, very clear about this. When you see employees, multiple employees over a period of time be ugly and surly and rude and just have bad attitudes, look at the top. Look at their leader. Look at... You're their immediate boss, but all the way up to the top of the chain. The the board, I'm assuming there's a, a stockholders board and uh, you know CEOs and all that jazz for Walmart. Cause I, I hate them so much, I don't even care. That go look. They're making money. They're making bank. Walmart's probably one of the most. I'm guessing probably one of the most influential and most affluent companies in the world. But their people are shit. Their stores are dirty. Their quality is okay, but cheap a lot of times. They are they will charge more than other places because people just go in there. It is the lowest Walmart panders to the lowest common denominator. And they don't even price match anymore. They let that one slip through quietly, didn't they? They when they price match and prices are falling, all you ever did was see a commercial every three seconds with a smiley face knocking prices down, and people going, "Oh yeah, we'll price match that." But when they took it away, right? No announcement, no nothing. But they don't price match anymore. Not even to their own app. Not even to their own website. Look at their people. I have yet to see happy. I mean, I'm talking about for years, yet to see happy people working at Walmart. Minimum wage gets you the minimum effort. And when you treat your people like crap, you get crap in return. (sighs) 
I'm on one last thing because I I don't know the Walmart money, but I do know this. I had this one political argument with this guy back in the office I worked in. And it was during the Bush Jr. years when gas in Georgia, and I know the rest of the U.S. It got higher than this, but this is my reference. This will let you know. Zoom. Let me think. My daughter's born in 2006, so it was late 2000s, before 2000. You know, let's, say, let's say around 2010. Actually, a little before that. Gas was $4 plus a gallon. I could not afford to drive a car to work. It cost too much money. So that's when I started riding a motorcycle. It became cost-effective so I could bring money home to my family instead of spending it to get to work every day. And that's a major problem. Is jobs, once you have reliable transportation, this and that and the other, yeah. And I lived 45 minutes away at that time from any good job. And I was going to commute in. But with a car, it was it was cost-prohibitive. And I got to go. I got to go pick up my kids at vacation Bible school. But I want to finish this up. So the argument was, and this is in the $4 per gallon heyday of gas. This was the highest gas prices in recorded U.S. history. Still remains the highest prices in recorded U.S. history at the time. And, you know, a little side note. Let's look at, let's look at the secret. Let's look at what we look at. We, we elected an oil man into office, and gas prices skyrocketed. I'm just saying there's a, a Venn diagram of universes and how they match there. But the argument was uh, Exxon, Exxon, which is a foreign company, yeah, they posted a profit of, if I, I don't remember the number exactly, but I know it was billions. I'm going to say $7 billion with a B. Billion with a B. B as in billion. <laughs> Seven, they, they posted a huge profit, and I was like, that's horrible. That is despicable. And this guy's like, and he's uber Republican. He was uber capitalist. He was uber fight. All he ever wanted to do is fight. He wouldn't ever want to listen. <laughs> Shut up, Ginger. <laughs> the motorcycle incident. Yes, uh, yes. The motorcycle. There was that was before. That actually was before all this happened. So that made it even more difficult. I had a motorcycle accident. I severed a muscle in my knee because of it. it was out of work. It was huge. And then years later, I needed to ride a motorcycle for gas prices. And that was that was a thing. Uh, I'll tell that some other time. I think I've told it before. But I'll tell it some other time. It's fine. You can uh, ask me about that. But anyway, they, this company Exxon posted seven billion dollar profit, and all that. Well, you know, you're looking at it wrong. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just. I'm like, no, 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 no. The word profit means one thing. All your expenses are paid. Profit means free money. That's what profit means. Period. Free money, and it's in the billions. And us as the United States and all over the world, gas prices were insane. We're being held hostage. We can't work. I mean, things were really, really bad for the economy, for everything. People weren't going anywhere because it was too expensive. And so we're being held hostage as our economy because they're making a ton of money. And me as a business owner, me as a leader, me as somebody who wants to build a dream, I go, yeah, there's nothing wrong with making profits, but when you make it on the backs of your employees and on the backs of your customers, you are a slave driver. You're a slave trader, and you're despicable. I would love to make $7 billion profit, and if I ever make a $7 billion profit, you damn well know my people are millionaires. 
to the last bottom line person getting paid. My people are billionaires. And the reason I made that kind of money is because my customers love what I do and they just want more of it. Win, win, win. And that's where we've lost the lost the point of the conversation. Minimum wage versus living wage is never a win-win situation ever. And that's unfortunate. I have no idea if minimum wage should be raised. I have no idea if we should change things to living wages. I don't have the answers currently of how to fix the economic situation in America. But what I can tell you is if we change the conversation on a daily basis, on a personal basis, human to human, if we listen and communicate and look to help, yes, I need to be helped, and yes, I want to help you. So if we look for those opportunities where we both win, it'll change the game. And that's why for the last three years, as somewhat of a struggle it has been, without a doubt, I've paid my bills, and I've fed my family, and I get by with a little help from my friends, and I do what I have to to make it work for my family. And there's times I'm exhausted, and there's times I work my ass off. And there are definitely times that I go, man, if I had my paramedics license today, it sure would be easy to go get on a truck instead of pushing that rock up the hill. But because I don't. Because the easy path isn't available, and that's how I love it. I do love that only the hard path is available. As stressful as it is, and it can make me exhausted, it can make me cry, it can make me depressed, but it also energizes me to say, I just got to work a little bit harder. I got to go out because I work for myself for the last three years. I've made it happen. My accountant tells me that I've made more money every year. And I'm getting further along, and I've got physical, real-world measurements of how my reach is growing and how my company is growing because I look for the win-win and everything. And that's where I'm going to leave you right now. If you want more on this topic, ask again. You can message the page, Rock God of Podcasting, on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash rock God of Podcasting. Rockgodofpodcasting.com. You can contact me. There's a contact form there. All my socials are there, uh, email Twitter's at Rock Got a Pod. Definitely love this interaction. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. Thank you, Ginger. And uh, Terry Wolf was here, and Laura DePooter, and I see Carl. And uh, there were some other people I thought came through here. So thank you, everybody, for being here live and interacting. Thank you for watching on YouTube, if that's where you get it. So you can subscribe just to that channel. I have Rock Got a Podcasting as its own playlist on that channel, even though I put all my videos together on, on that, that place. You can get to the the playlist, I guess is what it's called, and follow it there. Uh, subscribe right here. Follow me on Facebook, and, and le- you know, let's do this. Email me rgop at charlesmcfall.com, and you will get. Uh, I, lo- I want to hear your questions. If you if you heard anything today in this episode, you want to know more about, let me know. I will absolutely share it with you. And the only way we're going to change the world. I just watched the Lego Batman movie, okay? So that whole theme of Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson, that's been a theme in my life. And it is more powerful than any Bible verse or hymn that I could ever think about or sing. You know, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. That's how we change things. If you find yourself going, people on welfare, people on Medicare, Medicare, people, people, Get a job. Oh, minimum wage. You're getting paid. Get out. Get enough. 
be surprised when the world turns upside down and dumps you on your ass. And now you need help. Confirmation. <laughs> Karma, man. When you're out there to help people, help will come to you. When you're out there judging people, you might get a lesson in how to open up your eyes and change things. All right, that's enough. That's enough. I, got, <laughs> I talk too much sometimes. Uh, oh, man, I'm a dummy. I closed my music, so I got to find my music real quick to wrap this out. But again, love, love, love that you guys come out there. And I'm sensitive to the sexism, right? I, I, I know that if this is your first episode listening to me ever, and I'm saying guys and man, and well, that can grate on people. That can be a trigger. And, and using words like trigger, people make fun of that. But no, seriously, it can be. It can be touching on issues you have that I don't mean to touch on. And I, I'm very much human. Everybody Everybody deserves to be treated like a human being. Everybody deserves to feel good about themselves and to have the best out of life. Everybody. And so please understand that when I use these gender-specific terms, it is unintentional and and no harm meant, and I apologize, because uh, I'm never going to be politically correct. I'm never going to be politically correct. But I do strive to be humanly correct and get everybody together. So tune in next week. I don't know what time I'll be live, but I got new people every time again. Thank you for coming out. I'm looking forward to real quick shout out to uh, DJing the wedding for Ginger's kid and uh, Tommy. <laughs> it's been a long time and, and the boys growing up. So I'm going to be doing that this weekend. Uh, look at me, look for me rather at Dragon Con coming up in September. I'll be there. And I'm going to be at the Pokemon Go Fest in Chicago, July 22nd. So if you're going to be there, come check me out and I will hang out with you some. Until next time, man, make sure the people around you know their love and make sure you take care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs>